I am not Edgar Moser. I do not have control of the lights. So, um, Good news for you guys. These are all my notes. That's it. Not like really small. I was going to ask how many of you all have like ever taken an exam where they said that you could bring one note card of notes. <laughs> Megan's like. <laughs> yeah, I never did that because my handwriting wasn't small enough. Um, but uh, I, I, I could never do that either because I, I couldn't read my own handwriting, which was really bad. So, But I can read that because I wrote it a little bit bigger. Um, I could tell you how long I've known Uncle Paul, but we're both too young to like make that statement. Um, well, it's 20-ish years. So... I was eight when I first met you. Awesome. That's great. You're still older than me, though, so that's okay. So, how you guys doing? How many of you all are tired? Like, right now, you're exhausted. Okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's, re, let's redo this. How many of you all who are campers are tired right now? Okay, put your hands down. If you are a staff member and you are exhausted, stand up. Okay, now, no, 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 uh, uh, back up, Megan, back up. Okay, now, here's why, I know, here's why. She's, hi, what's your name? Shannon? Shannon or Shanna? And with an N, okay. Megan knows why I told you all to stand up. Here's why I told you all to stand up. I get tired very easily. Are you really a staff member? No, beside of you, Okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm getting really old now. Um, okay, here's why I had you all stand up. Because if you're tired, you tend to fall asleep when you get comfortable. And I know that these are hard plastic chairs. Here's the fun thing. When you're standing and you fall asleep, it hurts harder when you hit the ground. So if you're standing, you're less likely to fall because in the back of your mind, you're going, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. So you guys can sit down. I'm not going to make you all stand up the whole time. But here, guys, this is, this is how I do things. Um, I'm, I'm up here for a very short time, and I know that you guys are really excited uh, because it's camp. And, like, I love camp. Uh, I did not get to go to my first camp until I was 18. Um, and I hated that because I missed out on a lot. So uh, that's why I love being here, and I love sharing with you guys. So if you guys are tired, stand up. And the reason that I say that is I don't want to embarrass you by making you stand up. And I will make you stand up. So if you're tired, stand up. Okay? Oh, no. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Okay. Everybody sit back down. What I, what I meant by that is if you feel yourself pulling this number, stand up. Like, not if you're tired right now. Okay, no, sit back down. I know. There's always, like, the few jokesters, so. Um, but I have absolutely no problem having you stand up. So uh, I figure if I'm going to stand up, you guys can stand up. So sorry. I have um, ADOS. Some of you all know what that is. Uh, it means attention deficit, ooh, shiny. And my phone lit up <laughs> because I, uh, I forgot my Bible. So I have my Bible. And my phone lit up, and it was my wife um, telling me goodnight. So, uh, so that kind of, aww. Okay, see, I can talk about this because I'm 35 years old. And for 34 years and X number of months, I couldn't make that statement. And so for the last two months, I haven't been able to make that statement. And uh, I, uh, just so you guys can see, Angela, the one labeled family. Can you pop up the first one? This is my wife. Her name is Sarah. Um, she uh, she finally popped the question, and I had to give in. So, um, so that's how that's how that works, girls. It totally works that way. Um, but uh, that was on our wedding day, and in case you can't notice, I'm like extremely happy in that picture. Um, actually, the photographer had to tell me to stop smiling so much. 
so um, I don't really know why you would ask me to do that, but they did. Um, and that was honestly probably like one of the happiest days of my life. And the reason that it was, uh, was because my life changed forever. Uh, not only on that day did I get to become a husband, but I also got to become a father. And this is Charlie. Uh, he is 21 months old, uh, and he rules the house. Um, he is a massive bundle of energy, uh, and he is great to have around. And I get to, um, I get to experience what God meant uh, when he said to love one another uh, on a daily basis now. And that is a very cool thing uh, for me uh, to get to be a part of that. And I may share some a little bit later uh, with you guys in regards to that. But I just wanted you guys um, to see them and just to kind of know a little bit about me and, and what has changed my life and some different things that have been going on. Um, if you will indulge me while Charlie's staring at you, I'm still going to talk to you, but i got to walk back here because I walked up without something. Um, this is, no, I have a Bible, thanks. Uh, this is kind of what I was telling you guys about in that I kind of have ADOS. I got like really into the fact that the lights were off and I was getting to go up front and I forgot all of my stuff back here. And I am talking just so there's not dead air when this thing goes to podcast. So if you're hearing this like little thumping noise, it's like all this microphone moving and stuff like that. So, and if Uncle Paul wants to edit it out later, he can. So, see, this is my envelope. It has my name on it. So, just in case this week, um, so there, there's not any confusion. Um, that is Jared. I am Jared. And... You guys will see both of us up here uh, from time to time. So later on, when you're having conversations amongst yourselves and you're like, Jared did this or Jared did that, instead of like there being a lot of confusion because of which Jared, that's Asian Jared, and I'm Caucasian Jared. <laughs> so, and if, if, that, if that is way too confusing, confusing because there's Asian in both of those names, you can just say Asian Jared and Pale Jared. That works too. So, uh, some people tried the Jared one and Jared two, and that just gets really confusing, and it's kind of weird. So, Asian Jared, Caucasian Jared—that's how it's going to work. So, uh, if you guys have your Bibles tonight, um, turn to the Book of John. And if you don't have your Bibles and you have some way of taking notes, that would be awesome. See, when I told you my notes were right here. I wasn't lying. Like, that is my notes. This is just some visual aids and stuff. Hey, Jordan. How you doing? I'm doing well, especially since you're right on the front row. Okay. I will answer that question off microphone. So, okay, guys, uh, this week, in case you all haven't noticed, the theme for this week is living proof. And we are a society that wants proof, you know, and, and a lot of times it's, well, I've got this, we'll prove it. Well, I do this, we'll prove it. And, um, you know, a lot of times like with Instagram and, and stuff like that, you know, it's really cool to go, hey, I've been to this place and you snap a picture of it, but they tell you if you go visit somewhere, get someone to take a picture of you standing in front of a location so that way you can prove that you were actually there. And, and that's the crazy thing is because our society has gotten to that point where they say, prove it. Like, they want you to prove the things that you claim. And, and a lot of times, you know, that's easy. A lot of times, that's very difficult. Um, case in point, if I were to leave the country, which I did on, on one occasion many, many years ago, in order to get back into the country, I had to have a passport. Why? To prove to them that I'm an American citizen. And just so you know, this is mine because there's my ugly mug right there. And I had to get this. My old one expired. I had to get a new one. I'm not planning on leaving the country anytime soon, but this is proof, should I ever leave the country, that I belong here. Because I could walk up to them and I can go listen to my accent, listen to the things that I say. I'm American. Like, I went to, I went to England when I was a senior in high school, 
And I went with a group of people, and they were like, hey, we speak English. And they go, no, you speak American. We speak English. And I was like, and we're done talking. So, uh, you know, so I mean, like, I could prove where I'm from. You know, I can go up north, which I actually am in a couple of weeks. I'm going to go up to New Hampshire. Funny thing about New Hampshire, it looks a lot like here. There's mountains, there's trees. Actually, they have this really weird tree. And I don't really know if it's, like, indigenous. And for those of you who don't know big words, I don't know if it's, like, local. Like, it's only up there. It's the only place I've ever seen it. It's really tall. It actually towers above all the other trees. And it kind of has, like, these spindly little arms that kind of look like pine trees. But the weird thing about it is the trunk of it and some of the other branches look like a cell phone tower. Because it is a cell phone tower. Because in New Hampshire, they think cell phone towers are ugly, so they put fake limbs on them because they don't want the birds, like, getting confused. Like, that's what I was told. They don't want the birds getting confused with the cell phone towers. They don't want the birds roosting in them because they're afraid it'll cook the birds, so they put limbs on it to make it blend into the surroundings. I'm like, okay, so they go, they go that's a tree. Prove it. Like, it's not a tree. It's a cell phone tower with stuff around it. But like I said, New Hampshire is a lot like us. If you don't believe me, go to a Walmart anywhere that you go, except for Las Vegas, because there you see, like, Michael Jackson walking around. It's a little unnerving sometimes, especially, like, when you're walking through the cereal aisle and you turn around and there's Michael Jackson standing there looking at, like, Cheerios, and you're like, this is weird. But I digress. Back to New Hampshire. It's all normal. Like, you still have, like, the same little babies running around with the bottles and the diaper, and you still got the parents, like, chasing them around. And then they speak to you. And you go, I'm not in Kansas anymore. Like, this is kind of odd. This is a little weird. And, you know, people look at me and they go, you've got an accent. No, you have an accent. And they're like, no, you have an accent. And I'm like, no, you have an accent. And we kind of go in this little back and forth. And, you know, but they look at me and they go, where are you from? And I'm like, Tennessee. And they go, oh, the South. I'm like, no, I'm from Tennessee. Like, the South is bigger. You know, and one lady, she goes, prove it. <laughs> okay, I don't really know why I need to do this, but um, Tennessee. You know, and it, you know, but once again, there's proof. You know, if you want to see proof of the fact that I don't have money, this is where money goes in my wallet. And there's a return ticket for a clock repair. That's it. You know, like, I give this card to a waitress, and I'm like, make sure you bring me the change back. And she looks at me really funny. I'm like, never mind. There's not enough in there. You know, so, like, this doesn't prove that I have money. It just proves that at some point I did have money because I had to get a card to get that money out. So, you know, my life is is made up of having to prove different things. Um, you know, like I said, like, there's proof that I have no money. Uh, there's proof that I am an American citizen. Here's my favorite one that I just got two months ago. It is my certificate of marriage. It's legal and everything. It has, like, the notary, like, down here. If you were to feel it, which I'm not going to let you because I don't want your dirty little fingers. I'm just kidding. Um, like, it's actually there. In all honesty, and if somebody from the state of Tennessee hears this podcast, um, I could have done better on on my computer to design this thing, but... You know, that doesn't matter. Like, the thing is, I got married. I got, like, a little piece of paper signed that I got married, and then they printed this off for me that says I'm married. So anywhere I go, this is proof that I'm married. This this does me no good at the bank for me to go, I have money. See, this this proves it. You know, I have other things that prove that. But our, our life is, is, is made up of prove it to me. Like, prove to me that you are what you claim that you are. Like, prove to me that you have what you claim that you have, that you do what you claim that you do. I know, that was a lot. Okay, I don't even know if I can, like, go back and redo that one. We are, we are asked to prove who we claim that we are. We're asked to prove that we do the things that we say that we do. Was that the one that was confusing? I don't know. Like, my brain works about here and then in segments, so I, I do horrible to go back and repeat. But here in, in, in John chapter number 9, um, also if you want proof, I have a car. Like, you know, just in case you were wondering. 
And really all I'm doing is I'm emptying my pockets because I usually put my hands in my pockets. And so uh, one last thing, this is proof that I have chapped lips. So this is great stuff. Uh, John chapter 9, while you're turning there, I want to do this. Okay. In John chapter 9, we find Jesus with his disciples. And I know that you all are going, wow, Jesus is with his disciples. That's awesome. Um, and where we find them coming out of in John chapter 8 is they're coming away from the temple. And in the temple, what has happened uh, is Jesus has kind of gone in there and he's kind of said some things that they take as blasphemy. They, they take some things that, wait a minute, you're not supposed to say that stuff because you're speaking against everything that we believe. He told them that Abraham, who they really looked up to, uh, he tells them, he says, before Abraham even was, I am. Like, I've been around since longer than Abraham. And the Bible tells us uh, at the end of chapter 8 that the religious leaders were actually, like, considering stoning him and that Jesus disappeared from their vision and just disappeared completely. Like, I would love to have that ability. And, and I, told a group of, I told a group of students a couple of months ago, I'm like a Harry Potter, not nut, but, like, I've read the Harry Potter books, and I'd love to have, like, that invisibility cloak. Like, not to sneak up on people, just to kind of disappear sometimes. And, and Jesus was able to do that. And somebody goes, well, how did he do it? I don't know. The Bible just says he did it. And they go, well, prove it. The Bible says that he did it. And they go, well, how do you know that he did it? And I'm like, because he spoke everything into existence. If he wanted to disappear from a group of people, he can disappear from a group of people. Like, plain and simple. That's just who God is. So that's where we find him. He's left the temple. And as they're leaving the temple, that's where we pick up here in John chapter 9, verse 1. <coughs> Sorry. Hey, Jared. Can you get me a... Thanks. Uh, John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And it says, And as he, being Jesus, passed by, he saw a, a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this man, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. We must work the work of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now here's what I want you guys to see. Thank you, sir. I got like a tickle in the back of my throat. You guys are in trouble because I'm having a doctor enough, and that's going to be like instant energy here in about 30 seconds. So John chapter number 9, Jesus comes out, and him and his disciples are leaving, and they run across this man. And the Bible tells us that he was born blind. Like, this was, this was who he was. Now, I don't know if he was ever asked to prove it, but I think it would be pretty easy to prove if he was blind. You know, it's like, hey, stand up and prove you're blind. Okay. Like, he might walk into something. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not in that, in that case. I was, however, one time. Nah, that's a different story. Um, but this guy, it says that he was born blind. It doesn't say, like, what happened to him or anything. And, and I love this because the disciples, you have to remember who the disciples are. They've been traveling around with Jesus for a very long time. Like they have seen him do miracle after miracle after miracle. And they walk up, and their first inclination is not, hey, Jesus, that guy's blind. You can heal him. Like their first inclination is, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, that was, that was kind of the, the prevailing uh, thought during that time was that if something was wrong with you, it was because you had done something horribly wrong and that was your punishment. And if you were born a certain way, then that means that you were carrying the sins of your parents. Kind of a messed up like little system, isn't it? You know, like I, I think that that's just crazy. But that's kind of where they were going at. And, and they, were, they were saying, you know, Jesus, who, who has done this? Like why has this guy been born blind? And Jesus says it wasn't any of that. Like this guy's blind so that, so that God can, can receive the glory through all of this. Now, let's look at something that, that the, Bible, the Bible doesn't really go into. Imagine that you're this blind guy, and you're just sitting there minding your own business like you have every day of your life. You're begging for money in the same spot that you've always been. 
and you hear the same commotion that you hear all the time, and then all of a sudden you hear these guys come up, and they stop right next to you. And one of them goes, like you hear them kind of starting to whisper amongst each other, and one of them goes, you ask him. No, you ask him. No, I'm not going to ask him. You ask him. I'm not going to ask him. That's a stupid question. Well, somebody's got to ask him. And so somebody gets brave, and they go, hey, Jesus, who, was, who, who sinned that this man was born blind? And I, if, if I was this guy, I would probably want to, like, start swinging right about then. Like, what do you mean, who sinned, that I was born this way? Like, I'm blind. I'm not deaf. Like, I may not be able to see you, but I can hear what you're saying. And, and Jesus goes, it was none of that. And this guy goes, okay, cool. Like, somebody's coming to my defense. And he goes, he was born this way so that God could be glorified. Now, at this point, I would probably be like, seriously? Like, I was born this way so that God could be glorified? Like, seriously, I've lived my entire life in darkness, having to beg for money. But the Bible doesn't tell us anything like that. That's just kind of like the way that the, the way that I see this. But I love this. Actually, I'm going to get ahead of myself because I really want to get back to that point here in a second. So here we go. So Jesus goes, it's not anybody's fault. It's to glorify God. And then I love what the Bible says right here, verse 6. It says, having said these things, he, being Jesus, spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Jesus hawked up a big loogie into the dirt, made mud with his spit, and then put it on this guy's eyeballs. (laughs) Okay, I'm blind. You're talking about me like I can't hear you. You tell me that I'm born this way so that God can be glorified for some reason. Now you're spitting at me and you're putting something on my eyeballs. Seriously? Like this is not the day that I was planning on having. And if I could see you, I would kick you right now. But then I love it because Jesus goes, hey, buddy, go wash it off. No, loving it. Love it. Needed my mud mask today. Forgot my eyeballs. We're good. Totally good. No, the Bible tells us that he runs off. I don't know how he runs off. It just says that he goes. Like Jesus goes, go. And he goes, okay. And he goes. And it says that he washes off. And as he washes off, like suddenly he opens up his eyes. And something's different. And what's different is now he's starting to see light. How many of you all can see? Okay, cool. For those of you in the podcast world, that was pretty much everybody. I say pretty much because some of them are short. I can't see them. Um, just kidding. Okay. Everybody can see. How many of you all can see me? Okay, for all you short ones. Okay, now how many of you all can see me? Okay, awesome. I can't really see me. I can see a reflection of me. I can see my hands out here. In all honesty, you all don't see me. What you guys see is light reflecting off of me. Like you see the colors that you see because that's the color that's bounced back to your eyes. And then your eyes process that and sends information to your brain and your brain processes that. And then like your brain goes, hey, guess what? You're seeing that. Everybody loves science. I love science. Like I think it's really cool. Okay, science is awesome. Um... So that's kind of how it is. So for those of you who say, yeah, you see me, yeah, you do. But what you really see is an image of me being reflected back at you. And this guy, for the first time in his life, begins to see things. And I don't really know how it happens, but I can imagine that at first everything is kind of blurry, but there's light. And it probably stings his eyes because he's never had light hit them before. And then everything slowly becomes, like, starts to come back into focus. And he begins to see things that he's never seen before. He can still hear everything that he's heard before, but now he can put a sight with that. Like he hears that donkey and that cart kind of going by. And he, and he looks towards that sound and he sees a donkey and he sees a cart. And, and he kind of understands and he goes, oh, that's what smells so bad. Okay, cool. And he goes, I'll know to stay away from those. And then like he hears voices that he's heard before and he looks at those people for the first time. And you want to know what's really cool about it? They're beautiful. You want to know why they're beautiful? Because he's never seen them before. And suddenly he's seeing everything for the first time. And he's just soaking it all in. 
And, and he's, he's looking around, and, and, and he's trying to process all of it. And in trying to process all of it, he's like, so that's what water looks like. Cool. Like, it's clear. Um, that's still cool, but, you know, that's awesome. And what's that brown stuff? Oh, I know what brown is. You know, and, like, he starts kind of processing all of this stuff. And then suddenly it hits him that there was a man that did something. And he begins to go back and look for him. And he's running around and he's going up to people and he's going, hey, have you seen this guy? Have we seen who? Um, I, I don't know his name. Like, all I know is that he spit in the dirt and he put it on my eyes and now I can see. And they're just looking at him like he's an idiot. And then somebody recognizes him and they go, wait a minute, aren't you blind? And he goes, no, not anymore. And they go, but wait a minute, you were blind. Yes, but I'm not anymore. But wait a minute, you were blind. Okay, I don't know how I can process this any better. I was, I'm not. Can you point me in the direction of the guy that fixed me? And they go, we don't know who fixed you. And he starts to make this huge stir. And it's a big enough stir that the religious leaders who had just kicked Jesus out of the temple hear this guy talking. And they go, wait a minute, isn't it that guy that sits out in front and begs for money and he's blind? Yeah, what's he doing running around? I don't know. Is he saying he can see? Yep. Go get him. So they go get him and they bring him into the temple. And they begin to question him. And Uncle Paul and I were talking about this out there because this is like one of my favorite parts of the story. They start looking at him and they go, so you're the guy that was blind and sitting out front. And I promise you, this is all in there, like this entire chapter. You guys can go back and read it. I'm just kind of hitting the highlights. And he, they go, so you were the guy that was blind, right? Yep. Okay. How is it that you see now? Okay. I was sitting there minding my own business. These guys come up. They start talking about me right beside of me. And I'm fixing to like jump up and just whoop them. And then one of them spits at me, and that makes me even more mad. And then he, like, he like puts this stuff on my eyes, which I later found out was mud. And it's actually pretty cool, like, now that I really think about it. But anyways, like, I'm getting ahead of myself. And, like, I went, and I washed it off, and now I can see. And they just kind of look at him like a lot of you all are looking at me. And they go, they go, are you sure? Yep. You're sure you were blind this morning? Yep. Are you sure? Yeah, woke up just as dark as it was when I was asleep, and I'm awake. I had to help get clothes. I had to help get here. Um, yeah, I was blind this morning. Prove it. Okay, I've got this bruise on my knee because I hit a stool. Like, I don't, like, how do you want me to prove it? Like, I can see. Really? How many fingers am I holding up? Four. Well, that's what four looks like. You know, like, I don't know what this guy's thinking, but they keep asking him, and they keep going, how do you know? Can you prove it? And he goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, I was blind, he did this, you know, and he keeps going back and forth, and they just look at him, and they go, are you sure? And he goes, yes, to the point that they even bring his parents in. How many of y'all have ever been in trouble to that degree that they bring your parents in? Yeah, yeah, my mom was the school secretary when I was in first grade. I spent a lot of time in the principal's office because I like to talk. I don't know if you guys caught that, but I like to talk. And there's nothing worse, knowing that you're going to get a paddling, like in that side of the door, than to sit on this side of the door and have your mom staring at you. Not saying a word, just staring at you. But here's what's funny. The principal never walked out and went, what'd you do, Jared? I was talking. Were you supposed to be talking? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure you were talking? Yeah, my jaw was moving and words were coming out. I mean, he didn't look over at my mom and go, was he talking? I mean, if he did, she would say what these parents said. I don't know. I wasn't there. And his parents go, he looks like our son and he sounds like our son, but our son was born blind. And they go, yeah, but he's not blind now. Yeah, we can see that. And he goes, so can I. Yeah. <laughs> Think, think about this. Just, just honestly think about this, because this is something that we all take for granted. When his parents walked in, they probably went, we called your parents. Cool. I mean, <laughs> okay, cool. And his parents come walking into this crowded temple, and they go, okay, your parents are here. And he probably goes, where? And they go, well, they're right there. Okay, where? Mom, Marco, Polo. You know, he's probably like calling out. He's never seen them. And then his mom goes, yeah, that's our son. And he goes, mom, oh my gosh, that's what you look like. 
I'm not, I'm not, I love it when speakers say I'm not lying to you. I'm really not lying to you. Hey guys, front of your head's a whole lot nicer looking. Okay, I can see that. Okay, when I was in sixth grade, sixth grade, I handed my mom a permission slip and a pen so that she could sign it. She grabs the pen with her left hand and the permission slip with her right hand and proceeds to sign her name. And me, and all the wisdom that comes with a sixth grader, I go, when did you start writing with your left hand? And she goes, I've always written with my left hand. No, you haven't. Yeah, I have. Why have I never noticed this? And she goes, I don't know. Sixth grade, and I just realized my mom wrote left-handed. That would explain a lot. Like the pen smudges on her hand, you know, like how'd that get there? You know. But to that point, I'd always laid out the permission slip, and it was just signed the next morning. For all I knew, some permission slip fairy came in and, like, stamped her name on it, you know? <laughs> but when I hand it to her and she grabs it with her left hand, you're messing with my world right now. <laughs> like, I'm right-handed, my dad's right-handed, my sister's right-handed, my mom's got to be right-handed, right? Nope, she's left-handed. Like, what the heck, you know? And that's kind of like what this guy's doing. It's like, there's your parents. Where? What do you mean, Where? Hello, blind this morning. Whole new world here. Where are my parents? Let me see them. Where are they? And they go, they're right there. Oh, awesome. That's pretty cool. Somebody get me a mirror. I want to see if I've got her nose. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what he was going through his head. But his parents go, they go, so, so like, how was he, how was he, like, how was he able to see? And his parents go, we don't know. Ask him. And they didn't just say, ask him, because like that was the right thing to do. They said, ask him, because they were afraid that they would get kicked out of the temple. If they said, yeah, this is our son, and Jesus healed him. Because, remember, they had just tried to like stone Jesus. So his parents, they were afraid. They were like, yeah, that's our son, but we don't know how he was born, like how he was able to see. And they, they kind of step away, and they're not there to like have his back. Nobody's there, not even Jesus. Like the Bible doesn't tell us that Jesus is standing there, nor the disciples. It's this man and these religious leaders. And they look at him this one last time and they go, tell us again how it happened. And I love what this guy said. And this is, this is in here, and I really wish that I could remember where the verse was. Hey, I like how everybody's like jumping for me. 27. Ah, thank you. Okay. Verse 26, they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? In verse 27, he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. How do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be one of his disciples? I love it. Because he looks at them and he goes, they go, tell us again. And he goes, I've already told you. Like, I'll tell you again if you want to hear it, but are you wanting to hear it because you want to follow him too? Yeah, that sent their temper like through the roof. Because you know what they did with him? They threw him out of the temple. Anybody have friends like that? We don't like you anymore. Guess what? You don't need those people. Like, you are not defined by the people that you hang out with. As much as you are defined by the people that you hang out with, because you may dress the same, and you may talk the same, and you may listen to the same music, and like all kinds of stuff like that, like, you are not defined by the people that you hang out with. You are not defined by the clothes that you wear. You are defined by what is inside of you that comes out. Because as much as like you want to wear like the right clothes and you want to hang out with the right people and you want to listen to the right things and all of that stuff to fit in, you want to know how many people I communicate with on a regular basis that I went to high school with? Zero. You want to know how many people that I went to college with and graduated with 12 years ago? that I talk to on a regular basis, zero. And the reason was, and I'm not saying this in a bragging fashion, I never fit in. Like I never positioned myself in one group or another because I saw how that defined people and how they struggled with it later on in their life. And I saw how people even struggled with it like in that present moment. You know, well, I can't go do that because all of my basketball buddies will think that I'm weird for going and doing that. And I was always the guy who was like, who cares? 
Like, who cares what they think? I love it. When groups of my friends get together, it is the most ragtag group of people you will ever meet. And ragtag simply means diverse. When I got married, my minister, my best man, my now brother-in-law, and the guy who sang at my wedding could not have been four different men. And the only thing that they had in common was I was their friend. Those four men sat at my dining room table one night and talked for four hours. And I was never brought up in the conversation, which is really good because a lot of them have like a lot of dirt on me. And I really didn't want them talking about it like that. But these guys, like they came together. And the only other thing that they had in common was what was inside of them. And that was a loving God that dictated who they were on the outside. And when those four guys got together, like I said, they could not have come from four different backgrounds. They could not have looked different. One of them was bald with a big beard and tattoos. And one of them had, you know, longer hair and a goatee and was wearing a vest and a bow tie. And one of them was in, like, shorts and a T-shirt. You know, and just random people. But they all had, like, this common bond. And it was so cool because it didn't matter, like, who they were or, like, what people that they hung out with when they were in high school. The fact of the matter was they had a God that lived inside of them that proved who they were. And that's what this guy had. Like he stood up in front of all these religious leaders and he goes, this morning I was blind, now I can see. All I know is somebody came into my life and changed it. See, here's the cool thing, and here's where my brain goes, and this is why I remember stuff. In Genesis 2, verse 7, this is after God has created everything. You know, Genesis 1, it says, and God said, let there be this, and let there be this, and let there be this, and let there be this. And over six days, he spoke everything into existence. Well, for five days. But then on that sixth day, Genesis 2-7 tells us exactly what happened. Genesis 2-7 says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, if you go back and listen to previous podcasts from the camp, you will hear me make this exact same statement, and I will continue to make this statement because this is one of the coolest statements that I can ever utter. God spoke everything into existence except for me, and he came down and got his hands dirty when he did that because he picked up the mud, he picked up the clay, he picked up the dirt, and he began to mold me. He began to mold man, and he created man with his hands. And then the Bible says that he got even more personal, and he knelt over, and he breathed into that form's nostrils the breath of life, and man began to live. God spoke everything into existence, but he got personal when he created you. And he got personal when he healed this guy, because here's my little ADOS brain going. Jesus didn't just spit into the mud and kind of like wad it around and like anoint this guy's eyes. I like to think that he made eyeballs. This man was blind. He couldn't see. And God was making replacement parts. I know that sounds weird, and there's going to be some people that go, you can't prove that. I know, but you can't prove that that wasn't what happened. So, you know, but God, like, Jesus spits, and he begins to mold those. And I can just see him, like, molding it, and him kind of, like, drawing the pupil and the iris and kind of, like, forming the retina just right so that it reflects the light right. And I can just imagine him just kind of sitting there going green, blue, brown, multicolored. You know, just kind of going through it. And then, like, the residue that he washed off was just where God was pushing those in. And like I said, you can't prove that. But it's such a cool thought to think that the very God that created man on the day six of creation is the same God that knelt in the dirt and healed this blind man. That's what he got to claim. And when people go, prove it, he goes, hold up some fingers and I'll count them. You know, like that's what he had now. And the Bible tells us that he steps out of this temple and he's just standing there and he's staring at this world that he's never got to see before. And think about it. He has been like right here in this low point in his life because he was blind and he couldn't see. And then all of a sudden he hits this like huge high 
because now he can see and he's getting to see everything for the first time. And like, this is such a new thing and it's such a new excitement and, and it's huge and it's big and it's just enormous and he just can't contain it anymore. And he's going around telling everybody and then the world tries to like knock it out from under him and then he's dropped back down here because now he feels like he's alone. Because there was nobody standing beside of him, not even his parents. And this man who healed him was nowhere to be found. And he's just standing there and he's looking out at this world and he's going, now what? And a lot of times we're kind of like this blind man. Like we come to camp and, and we kind of have like our eyes blind of what God wants us, like what God wants in our lives. Because either we don't know him as our savior or we, you know, we're, we don't have like that close of a relationship with him. And, and like our vision's kind of clouded. And then Jesus steps into our life at camp and he goes, hey, guess what? I'm here to make you new eyeballs. And he begins to mold those over the next few days. And he puts them in you. And you're just like, oh, my goodness, I've never seen the world this way. I've never sung this song this way before. I've never read that verse this way before. God, thank you for giving me new sight. God, I don't know how I can prove it to anybody other than just living for you and being there for you. And then we go home, and the world just starts to knock it out from under us. And we go, you know what? It was so much easier when all I did was sit on the steps and beg for money. Maybe I can just go back and pretend like nothing changed. But this guy doesn't. He's standing there. And the Bible tells us that Jesus walks up to him and begins to talk to him. And he says, hey, do you know who the Son of Man is? Do you know who the Son of God is? And he goes, no. But if I did, I would worship him. And Jesus goes, it's me. I'm the one who healed you. And the Bible tells us that this man begged to go with Jesus. And Jesus goes, no. Like, go out. Go out. And it's because of that that, like, we have this account here. You know, as, as, as cool as it is to think that, that Jesus made eyeballs for this guy, here's what I want you guys to see. Back up in verse 5. And we kind of glanced over it, and I did that for a reason. Verse 5, this is Jesus talking. He says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He said that before he ever healed the guy. You want to know why? That guy needed light in his life. He lived in darkness, and Jesus was telling him, I am exactly what you need. I am the proof that you need to be what I have called you to be. And I can, I can just imagine that guy like that night when he's closing his eyes, but he doesn't want to because, because I, I don't want to wake up and this all be a dream, and he's just wanting to soak all of it in. And I'm sure that he heard those words came, come back to him where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I don't know what you guys are going through. Because there's a lot of stuff in my life that I have gone through. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't know what it is. And I don't know if you come into camp with you getting out of a bad situation and, and, and you're just hoping that, that there's some light that just comes on in your life right now. But there's some of you that you came here and you were, you were actively searching. You, you may not have really realized it, but you were searching for something. And you thought, if I can just come to camp, if I can just make it to camp, maybe God will show me something. There might be somebody here that, that this was just an escape. Just let me get away. I don't want to hear about any of this Jesus stuff. I just want to go, like, hang out, and I just want to do all the activities, and I'm just going to, like, suffer through chapels, and, like, I don't, I don't want any of that. But there's a little spark of light that God may have showed you. And there may be some of you, you were just waiting to get out of here. And that's fine. My prayer is that God does something in your life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In Psalms, he tells us that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. In Isaiah, he tells us, I've gone before you and I've made the way straight. I've made all the high places low. I've made all the low places high. I've cut apart every obstacle that's going to hold you back. Like I have laid it out for you. All you have to do is follow. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
like I said, I don't know what your situation is. It may be an abusive home. It may be friendships that you need to get out of. You may be here, and you may be a dynamic Christian in your friend's eyes, but you know inside you're not as strong as they think that you are. And, and, and you need like a fire rekindled. You need a light to burn brighter in you. There may be some of you here, and you do your devotions every morning, you pray every day, but there's just an emptiness there. It's almost like a routine. It's almost just tradition. The God that you read about and the God that you pray to is not real in your life. And there may be some of you all here that you were just so on fire for God that you could not wait to get to camp so that you could meet somebody that, that needed Jesus as much as you want to share it. And that's awesome. But I don't know what your situation is. But I can tell you this. In one way, shape, or form, we're all blind right now. And we need Jesus to be the light of our world. And if that's for you to come and accept him as your Savior, to know and to proclaim, I know that you died on a cross. I know that you took on that burden. I know that you, that you bore all of my sins and, and, and you took on all of that punishment and you were nailed to a cross. And I know that you died for me. Think about it. Even while he was hanging on the cross, one of the thieves looked at him and they said, if you really are the Son of God, prove it. Even in his dying moments, Jesus was told to prove exactly who he was. But there was another thief there, and he said, how can you, how can you even ask that? How can you not know that this is the very Son of God, and he's coming to take away your sins? And he says, remember me. That's all it takes. It's just a simple request. Like that, that blind guy didn't call out and go, hey, I want to see. Jesus knew what his need was. And Jesus met him where his need was. And Jesus wants to meet you where you are right now. And he wants to be that light that lights up your path. He wants to be that light that emanates through you so that when people look at you, they don't have to ask for proof of who you are. They know who you are because Jesus is just oozing out of every pore of who you are. Jesus is standing there with arms open wide, waiting to receive you. He's sitting there, and whatever your situation is, whatever has you blinded right now, he's sitting there with, with, with mud in his hands, sitting there just waiting, just waiting for you to come. With every head still bowed and every eye closed. This blind man's proof of who he was changed. His identity changed. He was no longer the blind man. He was the man who was once blind and now he can see. His identity changed. His, his, his proof of who he was changed. And Jesus is waiting to change yours too. I'm not going to do a, a traditional invitation. But if God has, has kind of shown you where your blindness is tonight, God has shown you that area of your life that you need to give over to him to let him change, to let him make new, to give you new sight. There are counselors here that are here because they love you and this is where God wants them. And you can find them at any time and they will pray with you. Father, we love you. Father, we can't thank you enough that you sent your son into this world to be the light. 
in this darkness. So, Father, you sent your Son even when you didn't need to, but it was the only way. Father, he came down. He lived among us. Father, he was was tortured. He was hung on a cross because it was the only way. Father, in, in the darkness of that time, in the darkness of that day, when it seemed like, like light would never come again, three days later, we were told that the sun rose. Not just the literal sun rising that morning, but the sun, the Son of God, rose victorious over this blindness that we call sin, over this darkness that, that, that clouded all of our lives. Father, we're told that he's sitting there at your right hand just eagerly awaiting us to call out to him. Father, for salvation, for healing, for help, for strength, for courage. Father, he's sitting there and he's waiting for us to tell him I'm blind in this area. God, I need your sight. God, I need your light. Father, I just want to pray over everybody that's here. Father, I don't know the situations. I don't know the circumstances. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but you do. Father, I pray this week that you will just continue to work on them. Father, just continue to make yourself real in their life. Father, may they see the proof of who you are. Father, in those that are around them, in their counselors, in the camp staff, in, in the worship, in, in the word, in your truth. Father, may they see who you are. May they desire to be with you. May they desire to turn over their blindness and let you give them sight. Father, we love you. Do amazing things this week in in the lives of everyone here. Make yourself real. Make yourself known. Father, may the proof of our life point to you and your son and his sacrifice for us. We just ask all these things in your name.